What is joy? Bill Sturge did a great job last week talking about love. By the way, he mentioned something about a bumper sticker on my car, and uh, I'm going to get even with him. He's not in here, so let it be a surprise. I'm going to plaster his car this week with Life Church stickers. So um, I don't get mad. I just get even. You know. <laughs> well, if you knew what, if you knew how much fun we could sometimes have around here, you'd be surprised. So what is joy? I could give you a lot of examples of joy. I think when we're all worshiping in our various rooms and I'm able to see, get a peek at most of them, it's I love seeing the joy that comes in worship. And that's a special moment because that's where God begins to stir our hearts and thoughts and shows up for us. I love seeing Celebrate Recovery. I love seeing people finding that there's a church that loves them through thick and thin, and we've all been somewhere, whether we've been where they are or not, and I love seeing people say, uh, this is a place I believe I can probably make a change in my life because God loves me, he's gonna help me do that. That brings me great joy. I love to see those kinds of things happening. Now personally, for Kim and I, one of our great joys is grandchildren. When um, Brittany, our daughter-in-law, married our oldest son, Tyler, was pregnant with Tegan, the first grandchild. Uh, you all would stop me between the rooms. I'm trying to get from the chapel to here to there, sometimes back and forth a time or two, and you felt a need to stop me when you knew that we were going to have our first grandchild. And I was in a hurry, but you would, emphasizing, stop me and want to talk about how awesome it was to be a grandparent. You, then you'd pull out your phone and start showing pictures. And I'm walking away from that going, I will never, ever be that person, ever. So there, I got even with all of you right there. Grandkids bring me joy. So this is Oliver and Remy and Heidi and Tegan. And then last Monday morning, this one came along. This is Andy Cole Grubbs. So, um, and uh, we're so blessed that we share these kids with grandparents, the Coons and the Cliffords. And, uh, and, and so Andy's, we're just thrilled. That's, it's amazing when you get to hold that little girl. And uh, Cole and Carly uh, had, had her last Monday morning and they're, doing, they're all doing great. And uh, they haven't caught us peeking in the windows yet. So that's a, that's a good thing. Let's talk about joy. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts this in us. Rick Warren, or the, let me give you the bit first, let me give you the bi biblical definition of joy. And if there's a, a biblical definition, this would be about as close as we can get. The biblical definition of joy says that joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who Jesus is rather than who we are or what is happening around us. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit, abiding in God's presence and from hope in his word. Now, Rick Warren said this then, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice, underline that one, determined choice to praise God in every situation. 
Jesus helped us know what joy looked like because he's the one who was going to give it to us. He said, I've told you this in John 15. He's been telling them about what's coming in the future. And he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So we're getting a glimpse here that joy is far more than we sometimes realize. It is, there's so much more to it. So I want to talk a little bit about this joy. And the first thing let's do is let's talk about where do we get this joy? I want to read in John 15, the rest of this text that includes that verse. But let me just read this to you. And we begin to get a glimpse on how and where do we get this joy. In verse nine of John 15, let me go back to verse eight. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. That's how important these fruit, this fruit of the spirit that we're talking about. That's why they're so important. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. He wants us to have his joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. What's interesting here is the word joy and the word love come from the same Greek word. So it's perfectly understandable then why Jesus is talking about being filled with genuine joy. And then the commandment here is then so love each other in the way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. There it is again. So that the Father, so if you do that, I've appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. So where do we get this joy? It's one source, Jesus. Jesus sent his spirit at Pentecost. He was trying to explain to his disciples that if he stayed here on earth, that he could only be where he could be as a human. He was was restrained, constrained by the human body that he'd been trapped in by his own choice. But he said, if I go away, then I will send my spirit and it'll be for everybody. And no matter where we are, his spirit can be with us and in us. And it brings this joy that far exceeds our wildest imaginations. Jesus sent his spirit at Pentecost. And as Galatians 5.16 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So the apostle Peter writes a letter and then in in the New Testament, and it's 1 Peter 1.8, and here's what it says. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a a glorious, inexpressible joy. Let me do that one more time. This is really special. You love him even though you haven't seen him. And though you do not see him, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy joy 
Where do we get it? From Jesus. And he wants us to have it. And when you choose to follow Christ, to put your life in his hands, to put him at the center of your life, the control center of your life, you say, Jesus, I'm yours. You lead me. You speak to me. You nudge me with your spirit. You check the thoughts that run through my mind. You check my attitudes. You check how I'm doing and truly being a person that loves others like you loved me. That's what happens when you give your life to Christ. Let him lead you, let him guide you, and it's clearly spelled out in the New Testament, and you begin to experience something that's stronger and greater than you are. Motives change, our outlook changes. So that's kind of the where we get it, but let me explain what it isn't, and this is real important. Joy is not happiness. Now, happiness is wonderful, but happiness is external. Now, somebody's gonna do something nice for you, they make you happy. Somebody gives you a gift. That gift is something you like and you treasure. No matter its cost, it's something that you want or it's great that they thought about it and you can be happy. It brings some happiness. And, but it's totally dependent on what happens around us or to us. And, and let's hope that we're typically experiencing people around us being nice and kind and therefore we're happy in that relationship. Happiness, though, is inconsistent because you can be deliriously happy one minute and very unhappy the next. It's very inconsistent. It just depends on what the day's like for some of us, depends on what happiness is gonna look like on that day. So it's, it's external, it's inconsistent, and happiness is circumstantial. In other words, kind of what I've been saying, it depends, if the circumstances are good, if everybody's happy, if everybody's well, if we had Thanksgiving dinner and everybody got along, you know, that's, that's, that's happiness. If the circumstances are good, the job's going well, everything's good here, everything's good over here for now, you know, that makes me happy, and that's good. Happy, there's nothing wrong with happiness. I think it's just important we understand the difference in just being happy about things, which is a good thing, but having this inexpressible joy that you cannot even experience unless Jesus has been invited into your life so he can give it to you. Joy is not happiness. Let me say the definition again. The biblical definition of joy says that joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness. Happiness is not exempt from the picture of joy. It's part of it. But what makes all that lasting is joy itself. The biblical definition of joy says that a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who Jesus, who Jesus is rather than who we are or what is happening around us. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit abiding in God's presence and from hope in his word. So that's where we get it. We have to realize it's not happiness, so we'll know it when we see it and when we get it. But then let's look at, let's look at joy. What is it? Well, it's a gift. It's a gift given by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's, it's internal. Joy is internal. Now, happiness, I said, it's external. But joy is very much internal. It's something in you that God has put there through Jesus Christ, through his son, a gift he said he would give us, and he gave it at Pentecost. Joy is something much deeper, much stronger. And not only is this a gift from Jesus, the joy is given and sustained by Jesus. Now, there will be very intense pressure from the world we live in to steal your joy. 
So now we know how we get it. We know what it is. But let me warn you, there are some joy thieves, joy stealers. Worry, stress, and fear. Nothing new to anybody here. Worry, this inordinate anxiety about something that may or may not occur. I look for an opportunity. You know, I look for an opportunity to worry. I've kind of been that person. And I've, I've, got, I've improved so much uh, over, over the years. I, I only bite uh, two fingernails now instead of all 10 of them. And that's victory for me. Um, these, I don't know what it is, but I can't get those two licked. But, um, so, so this worry is an inordinate amount of anxiety that may or may not occur. It's worrying about something. You're not sure which way it's going to go. You're worrying in advance for something that doesn't deserve that time and energy. And it'll steal your joy. Stress. This intense strain over the circumstances of life that we cannot change or control. I hear that word all the time. I'm so stressed. And we are. I mean, that's okay to say it. Call it what it is. COVID, coming out of COVID, trying to figure out what the new normal is, it's created a lot of stress in a lot of places, in a lot of families, a lot of businesses. There's a lot of stress there. But if we're not careful, we'll let stress own us. We'll let stress steal us away from the joy that Jesus wants to give us. And we all have moments of stress. We can't avoid it, but we can learn how to handle it. There, there's times through the years here, you know, I once pastored this wonderful little church of 147 people. I knew all of them. Whenever anything happened, I got to know about it. I was there. And, and it happens to me every week, every week. Somebody I know in the church, somebody I've known a while or whatever, new names, new faces. And then I'll see that, well, I didn't know they were getting married. Wow. Did, did they, I, I would have done that. I'll say to my assistant, Joe, say, I would have done that one. She goes, they didn't ask you. <laughs> She's right. Sometimes I can get stressed out because I want to pretend, I, I want to give you the illusion of accessibility, which I don't, I can't do. I'm admitting it. it took me a while. Stress is something we create when we put this pressure sometimes on ourselves or we are just determined there's something we have to do when in reality, we may not have to do it. It may not be necessary. But stress, nevertheless, it does come along. We've all experienced it and we'll experience it again. What I hope and pray for is with the proper understanding of joy, the joy that Jesus gives, we'll better be prepared when stress shows up again and we can begin to handle it very differently. Because there's a joy in here that stress is not going to impact, as hard as it may try. Fear, uneasiness over the presence of danger, evil, or pain. There's a lot of fear going on right now in our world, in our country, around the globe. A lot of fear, a lot to be afraid of, a lot of worry. We're not sure where the future's headed. You know, those, those people retiring or you are retired, your, your retirement funds have taken a hit. There's all kinds of issues going on now with employees and employers. Just, just you know, you don't have to go far to hear about it constantly. I mean, I'm, 
When I want some stress or when I want some worry or a little dose of fear, if I'm, I'm, I just turn on Fox News and listen to it for five minutes to get the outrage of the day. You know, then I know, I, what am I going to be outraged about today? What is on the agenda today? And then if that's not good enough, I'll go to CNN and get the exact opposite thing that outrages them. Turn it off. It doesn't matter. They can discuss it if they want, but I don't need to know. So a lot of, there's a lot of time. Worry and stress and fear. Let me add some more to that list. There's a, the list is so long, we don't have time to go down it. Worry, stress, fear. Think about control. When we think we are in control, when we try to be in control, when we want to control everything about our lives, we want to control other people, boy, that'll steal your joy fast. Because not one of us can control everything we think we ought to control. And the sooner we learn that we don't need to try to control much, we better just stay at home right here. We get addicted to pleasure. That's a joy stealer. We got to have pleasure. We got to feel good. We get really, that's a powerful drug. Or playing the culture's game instead of choosing the stability of Christ. The list keeps going. Arrogance. Arrogance and cockiness that that person, whoever deals with this, you've placed yourself above God in this one. You're, you're the solution to all your problems and good luck. Let me, let me know how that goes. All these things and more are efforts that the enemy will, will put forth. The enemy will try to take good things away from you. They'll try to steal the joy that Jesus has put in you. Now, here's what's interesting. We have to keep this in focus. Jesus was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his. Now, let that sink in for a little bit. He was willing to die. Now, remember, this is Jesus who the night before prayed, Father, if it's your will, if there's any way this is possible, let this cup pass from me. Because humanly speaking, he, he was tortured as a human being, and the pain he had would be the exact pain we would have if we were tortured. He didn't get a pass on the pain. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Hebrews continues, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross. He endured the cross. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his Afterward, Second Corinthians, we'll turn there for just a second. Chapter six. So I, I just want to give an example as we kind of wrap it up and show you how the, some of the disciples treated joy. And it's a very good description. It's a good reminder of us. The next day you're having, it's not a particularly good day. Read Second Corinthians six. So let me read it. It's Paul has written this, uh, the book, he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Here's what he says. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. 
In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, because of the Holy Spirit within us, by our sincere love. That's how Paul says we prove ourselves, by our sincere love. He continues, we faithfully preach the truth, God's power working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God, please hear this. We serve God whether people honor or despise us. Whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Goodness, people, we have it so easy. We have got such, we walk such an easy road. And the minute walking with Christ and following Christ and doing what Christ would call us to do and treating others like Christ has called us to treat others, in those moments when Jesus is saying, here's the way I want you to handle this, here's what I want you to do, it's pretty clear, and, and we just can't seem to muster up enough time or effort or energy or concern or love to do some simple hard thing. That's, you know, it hit me that hard, so I don't want like to be alone feeling miserable. I, I want to share it. <laughs> we've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. That is such a phenomenal picture of what it looks like when you hear someone describing their life, but yet they have this deep joy within them. It's incredible. I've got this old set of commentaries that belong to my dad. And I found the one that on Galatians, and, and this was a statement I found in this uh, old commentary. Joy for the Christian is inseparable from love and impossible without it. Joy for the Christian is inseparable from love and impossible without it. And grace and joy grew from the same Greek word. The joy was the fruit of the Spirit sprung from a life that was gracious and kind, full of goodwill, generous to impart itself to others, glad when they accepted and rejoiced with it, but forgiving and still singing when others rejected it and persecuted it. And he says this, every book in the New Testament is filled to capacity with teaching that calls us to rejoice amidst the worst of circumstances. We all want joy. We just forget the, the real joy, the real stuff, the Jesus kind of joy does not mean we will not have difficulties, but it does mean we'll get through them. We'll learn something. Maybe we'll help someone see the love of Jesus through our pain. So now it's your turn. I've explained it, what it is, what it isn't, how you get it. 
Now, now you know about this real joy. What are you going to do with it? And if you're not sure you're really ready to give it all over to Christ and lay your life in his hands, this would be a good time to start wondering just how brave can you be? How hard can this be compared to what I just read? God has given us all we need to experience, not just happiness, but real, gut-level, deep, genuine joy, regardless of the circumstances. And the joy is available to everyone that calls on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Do you want it? That's your question. For those who don't have it, I wish you could have it. I wish you would want it, because I'd love for you to have what I've got and what so many others have. You can take the high road or the low road, the hard road, the easy road. You can settle for happiness. It's not a, I mean, I'm not saying happy, happiness is not a bad way to live. I mean, it, it's not quite anywhere close to what a joy-filled life would experience. But you'll have happy days and not so happy days. And if you want to ride that roller coaster, that's fine, I suppose. I'd love to convince you to get off of that roller coaster and get something that Jesus wants to give you that will anchor you and hold you and get you through this thing called life and have an impact on others while you do it. That's how the spirit works. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. You do know what that joy was that he's talking about, the joy afterward. He was willing to die a shameful death on a cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. You know that? You know what that joy was? You and me. Us. He was willing to die for us. Shameful death on a cross. Because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards and would then become ours through his spirit. I'm going to invite our prayer teams that they would come to the front of the rooms and all of our rooms as I uh, pray. The prayer teams will be available to you, and I just always want to encourage you. If you'd like someone to pray with you about the joy in your life or the lack of it, let these folks do that. These are our pastors and our prayer teams, and they're here because they'd like to serve you. You may have walked in here today with something entirely unrelated to this message. And, and you just need someone to pray with you about someone you love or someone who's sick. Maybe, and who knows what it is. Just know, you don't have to leave here carrying whatever it is you walked in with. Let us pray for you. It's an honor and a privilege. So our prayer teams will be across the front of all of our rooms. And after I pray, feel free to make your way this direction toward the front of our rooms, or certainly free to go to the atrium for some fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege privilege of knowing Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have of having his spirit within us, that he did not leave us alone or as orphans when he ascended back to the heavens. He sent his spirit just as he said he would. And the spirit is wanting to do some things in our lives that need to be done, change some things that need to be changed. And Father, I pray for those who are tired of trying to allow happiness to be the best that it is. And I pray for those who are willing to discover joy that Jesus will give us if we ask him. This is my prayer in Jesus' name.
Amen.